What is up? I'm coming at you today from on campus. I am in the green university laundry truck working a laundry shift as I record this podcast. How fun. Happy homecoming. Heck yeah, man. We made it. The best weekend of the fall every single year. And so whether you're coming in with your family to be at the bonfire and the parade and do the whole thing or whether you're just coming to the game, I cannot wait to see you here in Waco Campus just lights up during homecoming, and and everything just gets so fun, and I can't wait to see all your faces. By the way, I've never said this before, I don't think, but if you see me at a game or in town, feel free to come up and say hello, and we can talk Baylor football, we can talk whatever you want, but I would love to meet whoever listens to the podcast and wants to just say, hey, uh, that would be a thrill for me. So if I see you this weekend, say what's up. By the way, on that note, I will be driving this big green university laundry truck in the parade tomorrow. So if you see the big green university laundry truck, I'll be bumping some 21 Pilots and I'll have the window rolled down and I'll be wearing my line jersey most likely and all of that. So if you see me, say what's up. Let me know that you listen to the podcast. That would make my day. But yeah, happy homecoming, man. What a day. What a weekend. Let's go. Sick and Bears. So this is going to be a rather abbreviated episode this week. I did not have time to work on it. Just being straight with you, I had three major papers due this week, and I've got three or four more due in the next couple weeks. So just busy, busy, busy with schoolwork, busy with church, busy with all sorts of stuff. So I appreciate your patience. Next week, we will be back with a full episode. We'll have an interview. We'll have all that good stuff. This week, I'm not even going to recap the West Virginia game, okay? It's been over a week. I did not want to talk about it the day after, and I still really don't want to talk about it the week after. It was ugly. It was bad. There's no excuse for it. I'm upset by it, but it's part of what happens in sports. So let's keep our heads up and look ahead to tomorrow's tilt against Oklahoma State and hope for the best. And I will talk about my expectations for that game towards the end of this episode. But before we get any further, we've got a lot of news and notes coming out this week about Baylor athletics and the Big 12 and just it's been a crazy news cycle week for Baylor. So let's cover some of that right now with news and notes. News and notes. So for starters, let's start with some good news. Last night, President Linda Livingstone announced the big Give Life campaign for a bunch of exciting new projects that Baylor is hoping to get to work on, including a new facility for football that would include locker rooms, weight rooms, and coaching offices, meeting rooms, that sort of thing. But more excitingly, something we've all been asking for for a long time, a brand new Baylor basketball home field house and if you have not seen the renderings of what this thing could look like online get on twitter right now they're all over the place this arena finally looks like somewhere where recruits will be excited to play college basketball it looks much more like an allen field house instead of a cavernous dome of nothingness listen i've seen people on twitter not a lot but a couple say well what's wrong with the feral center Number one, ask anybody. The Ferrell Center was not constructed to be a basketball arena. It was constructed to be a multi-purpose facility. That building is not conducive for a great fan environment. The fans are too far away from the court. The students get screwed in that stadium, by the way. Some of them having to sit way up high. It is not a good environment. And so I'm hoping that this new field house concept is much more intimate 
maybe 2,000 seats smaller, 3,000 seats smaller. I hope the students are sitting right by the court, right behind the benches, just like they are at McLean. In fact, one of the biggest complaints about McLean is that the students are moved further back from the sideline than they were in Floyd Casey. And so in this case, we need to make sure the students are close, right next to the benches, right there on the sidelines. We need a hostile, exciting home environment for Baylor basketball, and it looks like we could get that great news. This weekend is homecoming. And if you've never been a part of Baylor homecoming, I hope you're going to be here this weekend because it is a thrill, the oldest collegiate homecoming in the nation. How cool is that? And on this homecoming, I just want to encourage you about two things. One, treat all fellow Baylor Bears with respect and love. We are all part of the same family. We all love this school. We all were shaped and molded in great ways by this school. Sometimes Baylor fans are our own worst enemy, be it on Twitter or be it even when we see each other in public. Let's cut that crap, man. I love all you guys. Everybody I like to jostle with on Twitter or engage on Twitter as far as hashtag Baylor Twitter is great. And I want us to really come together as a united family this homecoming and just love one another, care for one another, enjoy one another's accomplishments and achievements, and really come together to support this school. And let's make it about the school. And two, I really want this homecoming to be about supporting this football team. That shouldn't surprise you if you know anything about me or what I've stood for on this podcast for the last two years. These guys, even this last week at West Virginia, have been called terrible things, have heard things from fans in the media that are not attributed to them. It's disgusting. They're called rapists. They're called whatever, man. Let's fill up McLean Stadium and be loud and be crazy and make this the best homecoming to remember. By the way, if we have any chance of beating Oklahoma State this Saturday, we must be loud. We must have a home field advantage. Let's get out there and do it. Lastly, in terms of news and notes, there are rumors floating around that the football team will finally, finally debut helmets with Sailor Bear on the decal. I am, as I'm recording this, keeping up with Twitter, trying to see the announcement if it should come. It has not come yet. It might come in the next few minutes. Everybody's tweeting about it, but get excited. Sailor Bear is being promoted as the theme of this homecoming, the image of this homecoming, and I'm really hopeful we're gonna see those decals on the helmets. We've all been asking for it for 10 years. It would be spectacular to see that. What a cool throwback. Oklahoma State has done this well with some of their Pistol Pete on the helmets. Some other schools have done this well. Nobody will do it better than Sailor Bear, okay? So get excited. That's the other reason for you to show up to the football game is to see those rad helmets if they exist. And again, if I see them in the next few minutes on Twitter, I will speak up on the podcast about it. But yeah, Sailor Bear making his return as the icon of Baylor University. There is no better news than that. If you've been following this Big 12 controversy stuff about the misleading statistics they tweeted out about faculty assault, the way they refused to punish Gary Patterson or TCU for Kevonta Turpin 
which seem to directly contradict the way they've handled Baylor's situation. It's all very frustrating, but here's what I know, guys. Baylor is doing things the right way. Baylor, under Dr. Linda Livingstone's leadership, is absolutely crushing it in terms of improving this campus environment, improving in the areas of response to crisis, response to reports of assault. So let me tell you from somebody who's on campus, don't worry about it. Baylor's going to be fine. And yes, the way some of these things have been handled has been really frustrating, and I get that. But listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. The light is starting to emerge at the end of the tunnel. Baylor is going to be fine. And I have a feeling that in the future, as some more of these college programs, like we almost saw with TCU, like we saw with Maryland when the player passed away, some more of these college programs are going to start to get in trouble for not handling things properly. Baylor is ahead of that. Baylor is now going to handle these things way better than any other school. I believe it. Let's continue to get the racist and the idiots off the board of regents. Let's continue to put leaders like Dr. Linda Livingstone in positions of power who do things the right way with integrity and take big, big time good leadership on all these things. And we're going to be okay, guys. Don't worry about it. Baylor's in good shape. Keep supporting our athletic programs. Keep supporting this school. We'll make it. Let me just share with you really quickly why I'm excited to have this new basketball arena drawn up. This looks like finally Baylor will have the opportunity to have a home basketball arena worthy of the status of the programs it will house. Baylor's basketball programs are the unsung heroes of this athletic department for the last 15 years. Ever since Scott Drew arrived after that debacle in 2002, both men's and women's basketball teams have been the most consistently successful programs outside of maybe tennis to an extent at Baylor. The women's team, I don't need to tell you. National championships twice, every Big 12 championship in forever. They are rolling. They have the second or third best program in the nation by everybody's accounts, just behind UConn. Can't say enough about what Kim Mulkey has done there. And the men's team under Scott Drew. I hope those, quote, Scott Drew can't coach, bullcrap rumors are done. Scott Drew is one of the 10 best coaches in college basketball. He fields a competitive team every year, regardless of the depth or the talent actually on the roster. And he continues to get good players to show up. Two Elite Eights in that time, both times losing to the national champion. And of course, as we know, the first time should have beat Duke, if not for a bogus charge call, right? So I really can't say enough about the success that Scott Drew and Kim Mulkey have had at Baylor. They deserve a home arena this awesome. I want to do something now that I've been doing for a few weeks. I want to continue with my list of best players from this decade. So from 2010 until now, we've been counting down players by position group. We have done quarterbacks, running backs, and linebackers. And today I want to do defensive backs. Now I did clump defensive backs together as a unit. I'm not doing corners and DBs separate, um, especially because some of these guys played multiple positions. And so I'm just doing defensive backs as a whole. I think that's fair. There's only four spots on the field. And so it's not crazy to rank them together. 
And I will say this, I'm going to give a shout out to Michael Bartlemy because he actually saw my preliminary rankings a couple weeks ago and he challenged me on something and he was actually right when we looked at the stats, when we looked at the impact of some of these guys. And so I actually changed two of my players where they're ranked here because of Michael. So good stuff. See, I will listen. Y'all heard me argue with people on this show. I am open to listening and to being corrected. It's just that when it comes to quarterbacks and running backs and you all argued with me, I wasn't wrong. Um, <laughs> but here's this defensive backs list. We're going to go 5-1. to one. Best Baylor defensive backs from this decade, 2010 to now. We'll start with number five. Mike Hicks. Now, if you know me, you know this is a little bit of a homer pick, and I will confess that up front, but I have the statistics to back it up. Mike Hicks and I went to high school together. He was two years above me, and coming out of China Spring High School, we did not have many elite Division One football players. Mike Hicks has been the most successful of those. The other notable one, Former Baylor quarterback and current Baylor offensive line coach Sean Bell played at China Spring High School. But Mike Hicks, listen to these statistics. In 2011, Mike's junior year, he was third on Baylor's team with 105 tackles. He had three interceptions, including the one that sealed the victory against TCU in the home opener, the opening game of 2011. You might remember that and the one that basically made winning in a come-from-behind win against Kansas in Lawrence possible. Now, I know we've been giving TCU hell for losing to Kansas, as we should, but don't forget that RG3's Heisman season, we almost lost. We were down 21-0 in Lawrence, Kansas, and had a furious comeback to steal that win late in the game. Mike Hicks... Most of us didn't see it because that game wasn't on TV. Mike Hicks had an interception on the goal line. Kansas is coming down to put us away with another touchdown, and he goes up, reaching back away from the direction he was running to make one of the sickest interceptions I've ever seen for Baylor on the goal line. It's a shame most of us couldn't see it. If you can somehow dig up that highlight, you should. Huge playmaker. His senior season, he only played nine games because of injury, but that year in nine games, he had 67 tackles and another two interceptions as well as a fumble return for a touchdown. My kicks is what I would call the best all-around safety that we've had at Baylor since 2010. And when I say that, he is not as good in pass coverage as Orion Stewart. And he is a I would say he's just a peg under, so close, but maybe a peg under a guy like Ahmad Dixon in run support. But he could do it all. If you've seen our safety struggles for the last three years, my buddies and I are always like, man, we need my kicks. We need my kicks. My kicks was excellent playing deep zone down the field, covering up those wide receivers. He was excellent in run support, getting a lot of tackles. He could have played linebacker at a smaller school if he'd wanted to. Mike Hicks was an all-around playmaker, underappreciated by a lot of Baylor fans, and I really, really looked at trying to keep him off this list to get rid of my bias, and I couldn't. He is one of the five best defensive backs we've had this decade, but he comes in at number five. At number four, I've got Ryan Reed. Ryan Reed was way maligned by this Baylor fan base the first couple of years of his career because he did get beat deep a couple of times against some elite wide receivers. But by his senior year, Ryan Reed was a bona fide shut down cornerback. 
He had three interceptions both his junior and senior year. He was an all-Big 12 corner his senior year. And for a Baylor team that has seen a lot of athletic cornerbacks, but not a lot of cornerbacks this decade who could really shut guys down, Ryan Reed is one of the best. He comes in at number four. By the way, he was on this podcast last season. So if you're curious to hear from Ryan Reed and kind of how his journey went through Baylor and afterwards, go check out last season's episode. It's called Ryan Reed, so it should be pretty easy to find. I think you'll enjoy that interview. Ryan Reed, great guy, better cornerback. He comes in at number four. At number three, I've got Ahmad Dixon. And this is the guy that I was really tempted to rank a little bit lower than this, believe it or not. I think Ahmad came in with a lot of hype and ceiling and expectations, and he didn't quite live up to all of that. Don't crucify me. He was good. He was very good. He comes in at number three on this list. He didn't quite live up to the billing that he had, but here's what Ahmad did. Because Ahmad, as a five-star recruit, committed to Baylor, stayed in Waco to play for the Bears, that drew the attention of a lot of other big-time recruits that followed him to play for Art Bryles. A lot of those big-time recruits that Bryles managed to get to Baylor, I don't know if they would have gotten here if it hadn't been for Ahmad Dixon doing it first. He was the first big-time recruit to commit to this program. For that, he's invaluable. Furthermore, even though it feels like he's generally overrated and didn't live up to his expectations, his stats are actually really good, especially if you consider that he moved positions around between that bare linebacker position and a true safety position. His sophomore through senior year, he had 89, 102, and 81 tackles respectively. He had four interceptions across those three years, which is where he might be a little bit lacking in terms of forcing turnovers like you'd like, but that's still impressive, especially considering that two of those years he was playing essentially a linebacker position. His senior year, he did earn first-team All-America honors, which is impressive. Not a lot of Baylor players have done that this decade, believe it or not. And what might be Ahmad's most important quality is not only did he lead recruits to commit to Baylor, but he was also a big-time leader on the football field for this Baylor team. Say what you want about some headaches off the field, but on the field, Ahmad Dixon absolutely set the tone for defenses that needed to force turnovers, that needed to make big stops. And they did a lot of times, especially Ahmad's senior year, 2013, when Baylor won its first Big 12 title. He really set the tone for that defense to be good enough to win that championship. He was a playmaker. He was hype. He was great. Ahmad Dixon, number three. And after ranking those three, the top two should not surprise you, but here's number two, Orion Stewart. Simply put, Ahmad's younger midway protege and teammate Orion Stewart was an even better defensive back than Ahmad was. He would not have been a better bear linebacker. He was a better defensive back. People, I think, forget just how good Orion Stewart was. Let me read you these statistics. Orion Stewart had 12 interceptions in his Baylor career including six his senior season. He was a first-team All-Big 12 player, both his sophomore and his senior seasons, both seasons that he actually got to play full seasons. 
He wasn't the best tackler, but he did make 81 and 76 tackles. Again, his sophomore and senior year, the two full years he played as a starter, which by the way, that 81 matches Ahmad's senior year when Ahmad was an All-American. And again, Orion was a ball hawk. He was the definition of a center field safety. You could just drop him back in deep zone, and he was going to watch the quarterback and get to the ball and at least break up the pass, if not pick it off, which he did often. Orion Stewart is often thought of as right under Ahmad Dixon, whether it was because he came from midway behind Ahmad Dixon or just because he wasn't the same kind of intense hype guy. But Orion Stewart was a better pure defensive back than Ahmad Dixon. He's one of the best safeties this school has ever seen. And he does come in at number two, which leaves number one for the very obvious choice here, Xavier Howard. I'm going to tell you a story. And this is one of those stories you may not believe, but I promise it is 100% true. And my buddies can verify that. On April 6th, 2013, I went to the Baylor Spring Scrimmage with Zach Hefner, Ben Hudson, and Ryan Martin. I believe Billy Kretschmer might have been with us as well. And we were watching this Spring Scrimmage, and there was this rangy, tall, physical cornerback who was just dominating. And I looked at those guys and said, who is that? That guy is going to play in the NFL. It was Xavier Howard. It was the spring before he would emerge as a redshirt freshman playing for the first time for Baylor. And sure enough, in three years, Xavier Howard was easily, I mean, this is not close, Baylor's best defensive back of this decade. He is one of Baylor's best defensive backs ever. I think you could put him on the Mount Rushmore of defensive backs at Baylor with guys like Gary Baxter and Thomas Everett. I think he's that good. And I could see it as early as his freshman spring scrimmage. This guy is just on another level athletically with his intuition and with his skills. He did have four and five interceptions his sophomore and junior year, respectively, right before he came out. And when he came out for the NFL after his junior year, a lot of people were like, is this guy really that good yet? Does he need another year? Well, he was drafted in the second round by the Miami Dolphins, and he has grown into one of the five or six best cornerbacks in the NFL right now. He is one of the very few cornerbacks in America that you can put on an island with a number one receiver, and he will shut them down, or at the very least, as we saw against DeAndre Hopkins a couple weeks ago, he will make it very, very difficult for you to get open and to make catches. This guy is elite. He is unbelievable. He was a shutdown island cornerback at Baylor. He's done the same in the NFL, and he is Baylor's best defensive back of this decade. Really quickly, just a housekeeping thing. There will be no Please Bear With Me, the show tonight in light of homecoming festivities. Frankly, I will be out with my buddies catching up, having a good time after not seeing most of them for months and months on end. So no, please bear with me the show. Enjoy your homecoming. I hope you're here in town. I hope you can go to the bonfire, go to the parade, hang out with your family, hang out with your old friends, have a great time. But no, please bear with me the show this week. We will probably pick it back up next week. I will let you know. Also, I want to remind you once again that I will be driving the green University Laundry Truck 
in the parade tomorrow. Would love to see you. I'll be waving, wearing my line jersey, going nuts, bumping some 21 pilots as we go. So looking forward to seeing you at the parade in the morning. And now to wrap up today's episode, I just want to preview Baylor against Oklahoma State, especially because we will not be able to do Please Bear With Me the show tonight, which is what I normally spend that time doing is previewing the matchup. So let's break down this matchup just a little bit, talk about what Baylor fans can expect out of this game, what we need to see for Baylor to win, what we might see in reality if Baylor will win or if they will lose. Let's break it all down now as we look ahead to tomorrow's homecoming matchup between the Baylor Bears and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. First of all, I do not expect Baylor to come out flat and absolutely hopeless like they did against West Virginia. I expect Baylor to come out ready to play. And that bodes well because I think Baylor and Oklahoma State this year are relatively evenly matched squads. I know before the season, a lot of you were telling me we can beat Oklahoma State. And I was like, man, I don't know. Oklahoma State's usually pretty good. Mike Gundy's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. Mike Gundy's a top three Big 12 coach. They're pretty good. But then the season began and Oklahoma State struggled. And I said, oh, maybe we will beat Oklahoma State. Baylor started to look good. I said, oh, we will beat Oklahoma State. And then this last week happened. And Oklahoma State tore into Texas. And Baylor got torn into, right, by West Virginia. And so now this matchup carries a lot of intrigue. It's a really good measuring stick, I think, for both squads coming into this game. Here's what I can tell you. Last season, Baylor's defense looked the worst it looked all year against Oklahoma State. I mean, it wasn't even close. I don't know if you remember watching that game, but there were, like, double-digit number of plays, like I want to say 15 or 20 plays, and Tim Watkins and I talked about it on the podcast last season, where Baylor's defense wasn't even lined up in their stance when Oklahoma State snapped the ball. We looked completely and utterly unprepared for the up-tempo, fast pace, get-to-the-line-and-snap-the-ball style that Oklahoma State plays, and what was so frustrating about that is that's the style we played not two or three years ago. And our defense still looks like they didn't know how to defend it. It was a struggle last year. Last year, I think that was Baylor's worst performance last year, along with Liberty. But the Oklahoma State game last year was atrociously bad. Now, playing in Stillwater sucks. There's three places in the Big 12 I don't like to play. And you've heard me say this this year. It's Morgantown, Stillwater, and Ames. Stillwater sucks. And so having this game at home is huge. But I don't think our lack of preparation for their offense last year was due to being in Stillwater. I do think them blowing out Texas this past week was due to Texas playing in Stillwater. So having this game at home will be huge. This is why I said earlier, you need to get to the game and be rowdy. Get to the game and be loud. Be obnoxious. Be that guy. I would love for you to be the most obnoxious fan in the building tomorrow in terms of just going nuts, loud, and obnoxiously crazy every time this football team gets on the field and does something great. Be that guy. Home field tomorrow is crucial. Back to the point, which is Oklahoma State's offense against Baylor's defense. Baylor's defense has looked better and better and better this season. Say what you want about that West Virginia game. Those defensive guys balled out. They blew a couple of assignments. That's unacceptable. 
but they mostly got beat so bad on defense because they were out on the field what seemed like the entire first half because the offense could not sustain a drive more than three or four plays. I mean, our offense was the worst it's ever been in the Matt Rule era this last week. And it's the defense that had to pay for that. And they were just gassed, guys. They were just gassed. So one big key this week is going to be the offense sustaining drives so our defense doesn't get overwhelmed. I think if they can do that, our defense can stop this Oklahoma State offense. But we have to get lined up. We have to know they're going to go no huddle a lot. And their no huddle up tempo is just as fast as our Bryles' best no huddle up tempo. we got to be ready for that. Speaking of the offense, I have not seen whether or not Charlie Brewer is going to play this week or not. I wish him well in his recovery. I am guessing if we haven't heard about it, he's not going to play. I think when he's still in concussion protocol midweek, it's not looking too good, especially because Matt Rule likes to play the guys that practice. I think Jalen McClendon's going to start this game. That's okay. We can win this game with Jalen McClendon at quarterback. Here's what has to happen. Our offensive line has to give him time in the pocket. Jalen McClendon is good at running with the football when he knows he needs to run with the football. What Charlie Brewer does better than Jalen is escape bad situations in the pocket. He's almost Romo-esque in the way he can spin out of sacks, get out of bad situations. Jalen McClendon is not as good at that. So our offensive line is crucial. So at the end of the day, how do I see this game playing out? Well, I think Baylor plays well. I think Oklahoma State comes away with the win. And I'm so sorry that that's how I feel. But here's, here's the thing. I do not think our defense is capable of shutting down those big plays just yet. And Oklahoma State can make a lot of them. I think we're, they're going to make... I think they're going to make two or three of those brutal, long, gashing runs up the middle for big plays. And I think you're going to see two or three breakdowns in coverage, similar to what we did against West Virginia, where they'll make big plays. I think Oklahoma State puts up about 38, 42 points on us. And I think we just cannot quite do that, especially with the way our offensive line has played this season. I think we're going to be lucky to put up 30, 35 so I see this game really rounding out somewhere around 38-32, 42-35, somewhere in that range, Oklahoma State. But I think it's good. I think it's close. I think it's exciting. And I think Baylor can win. But we have to make the big plays, not give them up. We have to make the big plays, not give them up. Forcing turnovers is going to be a big one. If we can force three or four turnovers on defense, that's good. That's good enough to win. We'll have to see what happens, but I really think it's going to be a fun game. I think you need to be there and be loud for all of it. Stay until the Baylor line after the game. Let's support this team, especially with it being 11 a.m. kickoff. There's no excuse for you to not be at the entire game. I'm just going to put that out there. Stay for the whole game. Let's be a fierce and excited homecoming crowd and support this team. And maybe, just maybe, with the home field advantage, and if our defense can force some turnovers... Maybe we win this football game. It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun. If you have any questions or thoughts or comments before the kickoff, during the game, or after the game, please shoot them to me via Twitter at bear underscore podcast, and that way I can engage with you, and we can continue to have these conversations about football, about the game, and about homecoming as we are watching I can't wait to hear from you. I can't wait to see you on campus, hopefully this weekend. Please come say hello.
Welcome to the Minor Minute. Are you still dwelling upon the massacre in the mountains? Are you still feeling concussed from the 41 first half points West Virginia scored in the boat racing of Baylor? Are you further pissed off because Oklahoma State proved just how much the Bears let one slip away in Austin? If so, it's time to move on and put all that negative energy behind you because it's homecoming weekend in Waco. The quirky schedule pushed this weekend into November, but here we are and here are five reasons to be pumped to go home for homecoming. Number five, the pigskin review. See the top musical Broadway performances that Baylor student groups have to offer. Number four, fire. The pep rally, bonfire, and ensuing fireworks with the football team gets everybody pumped for Saturday's game. Number three, the homecoming parade. Get out early on Saturday morning and determine which student groups create the best homecoming floats. Number two, the freshman mass meeting. Held on Thursday night, this mass meeting commemorates the 10 individuals who lost their lives when the Baylor basketball team bus collided with an oncoming train in Round Rock, Texas in 1927. It's powerful and it's definitely worth your time. And number one, Sailor Bear Helmets. If the cryptic social media messages are true, then the Baylor football team will take the field for the first time ever wearing helmets with an image of the Sailor Bear logo on them. This logo is something that many fans have clamored for for a while. Get out, cheer loud, cheer for the Sailor Bear, enjoy the festivities, and cheer for a win against Oklahoma State. See you this weekend, Sikkim Bears. Oh my gosh, breaking news! I'm sorry I'm screaming into the microphone, but it just dropped on Twitter as I'm recording this. Baylor is wearing Sailor Bear helmets tomorrow. Oh my gosh. This is what we've been asking for for years. I'm so excited. Ah! I can't wait. I can't wait. This is the best news ever. This is the best thing ever. Can you believe it? Homecoming. Sailor Bear. Oh, they're clean. Have you seen these? I'm sure you've seen them. They are clean. The white helmet with the gold Sailor Bear decal, one green stripe down the middle. You can't beat that. Unbelievable. Sailor Bear helmets, guys. We did it. We did it. We begged this athletic department for years. Derek Westbrook, if you're responsible for this, I got to get that guy on the podcast. I'm going to shoot him an email. Unbelievable. Way to go, Baylor Athletic Department. Oh! I've wanted this since before I was a student. I was a student from 2011 to 2015. I wanted it then. I've been an alum since 2015. I've wanted it the entire time. Homecoming, man. Sailor. Can we make this a regular? Uh, are we getting new Nike uniforms next next year? Can we make this a regular part of the Nike uniforms of the new set next year? We need this. This looks good. I don't want this to be a special occasion. I want these to be three times a year go-to helmets. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I'm so excited. I don't know how you can't be fired up by these helmets. Good grief. It happened. We did it. Confirmed. Confirmed. Sikkim Bear. Golly, Sailor Bear! Thank you so much for understanding the abbreviated episode. We'll be back and better than ever with a full episode next week. Sikkim Bears, see you soon, guys.
Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Iron Kids for all the music you heard on today's podcast. Go check them out, Iron Kids, on SoundCloud. I've been Scotty Swingler, and this is Please Bear With Me. Please Bear With Me.